0: Brat. Like, I want what I want. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my ross safari Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast that is officially gluten-free, pesticide-free, calorie-free, and yet still fills you up with bad jokes and good knowledge, the Rossafari Podcast. Before we get to the main intro, I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you all about my Patreon. Patreon is the place to go to support the pod and get some cool perks in exchange. One of those perks is bonus content from some of the episodes, and today is a particularly cool bit of bonus interview. My guest spent some time volunteering at the Cheetah Conservation Fund in Namibia, and I had to cut that part of the interview to keep the episode under an hour long, but it's really interesting hearing what her life was like during that time, so... If you're able, head on over to patreon.com slash and become a monthly supporter so you can hear that part of the interview and other cool content from past interviews. Also, don't forget to make sure you're following along at Rossifari on Instagram and Facebook, and all those links can be found in the show notes. Y'all, I'm so excited to be bringing you today's interview. My guest is Sam Evans, a zookeeper at the Honolulu Zoo. Like in Hawaii, an island in the Pacific. You know that impacts how the zoo is run, and we get into some of those interesting details for sure. Sadly, I forgot to ask Sam if they call it Honazulu or Honolulu. If not, that is a missed opportunity. And trust me, that won't be the only bad joke in this episode, because Sam and I have a lot in common, including our senses of humor. So you've been warned. All right Without further ado, here is my interview with Sam Evans of the Honolulu Zoo. Hon- Honolulu, Honolulu. All right. So, tell me who you are, where you work, and what you do there. Hi,
1: I am Sam. Um, I am a zookeeper one at the Honolulu Zoo. I take care. I am primary keeper and trainer of The cheetahs, bongos, African crested porcupine, a bunch of birds, a single handsome sulcata.
0: Oh, nice. I love sulcata (laughs) tortoises. Sulcatas are incredible.
1: Are the best tortoises, hands down.
0: <laughs> they're they're so good. Um, yeah. So so when I was growing up, there was a pet store that very much should not have existed, and I, I know that now. It was <laughs> it was not good, and and animals were not necessarily super well treated there. But I didn't know that as a kid, and yeah. they had a free roaming sulcata, and I would go in and just hang out with that tortoise for hours. It was so much fun, and uh, yeah, I just I really love them. So let's just start right with that. Tell me about your sulcata.
1: Uh, He is really young. I don't know the exact age. He was a pet before the zoo got him. Um, And he is, you know, exactly like a sulcata. He is the puppy dog of reptile worlds. He follows me around. He begs for everything that he possibly could get from me. And I mean, since he's so young, it's just... You know, this cute little boy that comes barreling at you the second you open the door. That's like, do you have food? Can I follow you? Is your shoes edible? <laughs> and I wear... Um, at work, I get called the crazy sock lady because every day I I wear knee-high socks that are a different animal. Um, and so he always is like, oh, it's that sock edible because they're always fun colors. Or they're like... <laughs> I have a pair of socks that has leaves on it because they're it's a slow loris sock, and so it's got little leaves on it. Nice. He tries to eat the leaves off of my socks, and it's absolutely <laughs> precious.
0: That is so cute. What? Uh, what's his name?
1: His name is Spurlock Holmes.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, that is so
0: good. <laughs> I am so happy. And how old is he?
1: Um, I don't know his. Exact I know you don't age. know
0: exactly, but like, how big I is he? Say- Let me put it that way.
1: He is still really tiny, so he just got out of the infant stage for sure. So he's probably only like four years old. He's okay, just, he's very small still. So he's got lots of life left.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. That's amazing. Very, very fun. I love starting off with a random thing like that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, let's let's back it down for a second though, and and talk about you for a minute. So how did you decide to get into zookeeping?
1: So it's kind of. I mean, not funny. It's pretty like typical zookeeper. I liked animals more than people at parties. My parents went to, they would take me to a family gathering or friends gathering and I would go to the pet and not the family. And so it was just like, my parents were like, Oh, she's going to do something with animals, like guaranteed something with animals. And then like, it was like, you know, the basic kid thing of, I really want to be a vet. And then you start thinking, you know, animals don't like vets. I want to be liked by animals. So I started, like, just kind of thinking. And then I got obsessed with cheetahs. Obsessed with cheetahs. I
0: know Absolutely. that cheetah conservation fund shirt.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: Very nice.
1: <laughs> um, obsessed with them. So much so that, like, every... I had, like, 50 cheetah stuffed animals. Um, in elementary school, we did, like, this... Um, adopt an animal and we're going to research it and we're going to do a class project. And like one class, I don't remember what one class had, but my class had manatees and the other class had cheetahs. And I went home crying because it wasn't (laughs) fair. I wanted cheetahs. This wasn't cool. So my parents for Christmas that year, that's all they did was adopt a cheetah from the conservation fund for me because I was so upset that we didn't adopt cheetahs for class.
0: And so that's that, amazing.
1: Yeah, so that just spiraled like then that obsession was I went from being wanting to be a vet to specifically I want to be a cheetah conservationist. And it was a young age. It was elementary school that my parents were like blown away. They're like she wants to be a cheetah conservationist. She's like 6 <laughs> and <laughs> she wants to be a cheetah conservationist. And and it just went from there and I realized that like conservation is a hard field. And I didn't know it's very specific cheetah conservation. Like that's a very, like, this is your tiny niche. <laughs> you don't have much to go with that. So I, you know, always went to zoos growing up. And so I just knew that I want to work with animals. I love big cats. I'm not so specific about cheetahs, says the person that still works with cheetahs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I just started like focusing in high school on taking Animal-related classes. So, like in high school, I took Small Animal Care One, Small Animal Care Two, Vet Sciences, and then went to college for a biology degree. Um, I started out as a zoology degree at Kent State, but I realized that I had a lot of trouble making friends in Ohio. I don't know why, Southern girl in Ohio, because I'm from Virginia. It just didn't work out, so I ended up moving back home to a tiny little university called Radford University, where I finished off and got my biology degree. Then shortly after, I did my first internship at Cheetah Conservation Fund, which I believe that the only reason why I got it is because I wrote that sob story because they like have this like, why should I hire? Why should you be an intern here? And I'm like, listen, at six years old, I had a fit because my class didn't adopt a cheetah. And so they're like, this girl's nuts, (laughs) bring her in. So unfortunately, it's an expensive, expensive internship to do that. Um, So I only did a month, but you work pretty much every day. And while I was there, I had an offer for an internship at Mill Mountain Zoo. And I was like, um, I'm in Africa, so I can't like do it right <laughs> now. I really, really want this opportunity. But so can I not do the summer internship and kind of push it back? Like either a couple months or however you do it. And they're like, yeah, we never, ever have like winter internships. Interns, we offer it, but we never have it. So do you want to do a winter internship? And I was like, yeah, I drive a Jeep. I have no problems driving in the snow. So, yeah. And so I actually got home. I lived in Blacksburg. So it was an hour away from Roanoke. And I was like, this is, I can't drive an hour every single day. So I literally quit my job and I moved to Roanoke for an internship. Wow. Yeah. And I did my internship, my three-month-long internship. um, And at the end of my internship, I said, I need a break. Um, my dad's family's in Minnesota. I haven't seen him forever. So I took a month off and I went and saw my dad's family. And I did some other, um, I did a lot of traveling for that month. And then I got back and I was like, okay, find a job. Cause I just <laughs> quit my job for an internship, volunteer or find another internship at a zoo. Um, figure out my shit. And then I got back. So I applied for some jobs. I applied for like Petco. And then I did my orientation for Petco. After my orientation, I literally right after went up to the zoo and I was like, hey, I'm back. Let's do some volunteering. And they said, oh, um, Robin wants to see you in the office. And I was like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> I've been gone for a month and I'm not even a keeper here. And I'm like, okay, hey. And she's like, oh, I, I think you've heard that like two of the keepers are quitting. And um, do you want a job? I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course I want a job. So then I had to go back to Petco and go. Um, so I know I just did orientation,
0: <laughs>
1: but I got like my dream job as a zookeeper. So I'm gonna have to quit. Um, and they sent me a check for uh, like eleven dollars for my hour that I did orientation. Nice. <laughs> I was like, sweet. Um, worked there for. About a year and a half when I decided to take the leap and apply for the job here at the Honolulu Zoo.
0: Okay, cool. And we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, first of all, (laughs) let me just uh, interject here and say for anybody listening, um, Mill Mountain Zoo was in episode 34 and Robin is Robin Lentz, the person that I spoke to. And, uh, if you haven't heard that episode yet, definitely check it out. Um, it's a lot of fun and you'll learn a lot about a very cool, small, but, uh, really awesome zoo with some great conservation work going on. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk about your time at Mill Mountain for a a minute here. Um, what all did you work with there?
1: So it was really great experience. Um, well, first of all, I got so lucky, like, you know, zookeeping is like half skill, half luck to get your foot in the door. So I got really lucky um, that two people wanted to quit and they didn't really want to go through the hiring process and liked me enough to take me on. Um, I being, when you start there, you're the swing keeper. So you learn everything. So I worked with everything there, except for at first you don't learn the, the, red code red animals so the more dangerous animals you don't learn those right away um they kind of do that in seniority which makes sense um but i still i knew the keeper there and i love 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 bali the snow leopard and our cougar nina who has since passed like i loved them so much so i did interact with them for a little bit but (laughs) i mean i worked with everything and you've been there there's a lot of animals there for a small zoo there's a lot of birds there's a lot of reptiles so for a small zoo that's a lot and it was a really interesting experience because you know it's it really opened my eyes to animals that I never thought I would fall in love with like I always thought red pandas are cool like they're they're cool but then working with Deegan he changed my life he is my sole animal <laughs> and I met him and I just thought, I was like oh my god this Red Panda is the most precious thing on the entire planet. And I just, you know, fell in love with Red Pandas after that. And I became a crazy Red Panda lady and a crazy Cheetah lady all in
0: one. I do love that you're wearing your CCF shirt right now. And I'm going to stand up a little bit. (laughs) Red Panda Network hoodie. Yep, 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 yep. I hear you on this.
1: (laughs) But it was like, yeah, I... I think I was listening to one of your episodes where it was like unexpected for you too. like,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just, that's how you fall in love with these animals. Like these cheetahs I've seen, I saw on TV and I thought they were cool. And then it gradually, but like working with them and being around them, it just like changes everything. And like working at such a small zoo is like such an incredible experience. Cause I mean, we did, you did your, your run, you did chores around your area and chores around the, common area we made our own diets we helped each other out like it was not like oh a bird is sick that's only the bird keeper and the swing keeper problem it was everybody's problem
0: right right
1: which is like a crazy cool experience because that's things that at a larger zoo that i like working at honolulu zoo i don't get when a bird is sick in the bird department that has nothing to do with me it's their problem, not my problem. <laughs> but like working at a smaller zoo, you get that experience. Even if you are a primary keeper, you get that experience of everything. Which is incredible because I mean I fell in love with all sorts of like, you know, snow leopards, cougars. I fell in love. That was my first Solcata that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the otters there. Like pork chop is my guy. <laughs> I <laughs> love him. And I just like every and then like Palace Cats, this obscure cat breed that only like 30 facilities in the United States has like interacting with them was great like I know cheetahs weren't there and but it doesn't even matter when you work in a zoo that you're not expecting like you'll fall in love with something there
0: (laughs) yeah no totally makes sense that's yeah I mean I've been amazed at how many animals I've fallen in love with that I've gotten to meet through the podcast and everything. Uh, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. Animals are, I said all the time, but animals are amazing. They're everything, really. Um, and I have to say, so for those of you that are listening... Um, I I, I think it's safe to say that that Sam and I have some stuff in common here, um, (laughs) because uh, on the wall behind me is one of my photographs of a red panda blown up, actually two of them, but you can only see the one, and a bunch of (laughs) animal art, and on the wall behind her is a blown up photograph of Deegan and some animal art as well. So tell me about your animal art.
1: Okay, so the great thing, well, Deegan, there's one that's propped up the small one that's propped up right above him is made by one of his babies that sarah sent to me
0: nice which one
1: um his most recent one lisa okay. or the, not the most recent one the one before that lisa okay. um or not lisa linda
0: linda I'm you so mean to linda to linda yeah Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and and again, I, I folks. Can't. There's a there's a recent episode with uh, Sarah Glass at Zoo Knoxville that you might want to check out to learn more about Deegan and all these other pandas, and not to mention how the uh, SSP works in general. So uh, you can go back and check that one out. But anyway, go ahead and tell me more about your art.
1: I mean, she's she's great because like I Deegan went there and he was my baby, and they sent him off while I was on vacation for a week, Oof. which was like. They thought about me, and they're like, well, it's less traumatic if he's gone when she gets back, and she doesn't have to deal with, like, getting rid of him, right? And she let me come and visit him, and she's always opened her doors for, I can come back and see his babies and see him anytime. And, I mean, she even sent me a painting done by one of his babies. Because Yeah, he Sarah's amazing. Yeah, he doesn't like paint, so I was never expecting to get one done by him. And then I have... Above that one, that blue one, this one right here, he—that is done by Bali at Mill Mountain Zoo.
0: Nice, nice. The snow leopard. That was
1: yes. Uh, that is like the one thing I wanted so badly before I left, and then I didn't get it before I left, and then one of my keepers there sent it to me. And then the one that's kind of hidden that you can't—you can ha- half see—is done by it. cheetahs, um, which was given to me as well. Uh, I can't remember what cheetahs but they're still cheetahs are special they're
0: cheetahs yeah. no totally i have i have art behind me and i've got um a hippo and some red panda and some cheetah and um bin yeah no I'm, I'm i'm a huge fan of all of this and yeah the cheetah some of the, <laughs> the best artwork i have is cheetah art they're yeah very good painters
1: they didn't do too good with their footprints on this one but i mean it's a thought that counts right <laughs> totally
0: totally totally plus i mean I have- You know, they're, they're, uh, they're impressionist artists sometimes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I have one more that's hidden. That's on the, this wall that you can't see. That's done by lions that I got in a gift exchange.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So you're at Mill Mountain Zoo and you've, you've, you've spent some time in Ohio and some time in Virginia and an opening at the Honolulu (laughs) Zoo. Now, I'm not a geography expert, but I'm I'm pretty sure Honolulu's in Hawaii, which is an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. How the heck did you end up there?
1: (laughs) You are correct. It is in the middle of the ocean. So, I mean, it's not as fun of a story if it's like not on a whim or anything, but my grandmother uh, lives on the big island. So one of the other islands in the island chain. And then... A long time ago when I was dumb and stupid and I was engaged, my high school sweetheart who was in the military was stationed in Hawaii. And so I got to experience Oahu a lot and I fell in love with the island. And that's the only thing that I really got out of that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, it did work out.
0: Dropping truth bombs. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out for the best, but um, I fell in love with the island thanks to him. And then all I ever wanted to do was get back here. Um, And the zoo had an opening. I had applied to it before, but I didn't have enough experience. I didn't have high hopes. I said, you know what? I'm not really looking for another job. I love Mill Mountain. I love my job. But, you know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime if I get it. So why not? So I applied to it on a whim. Six months later, they say, hey, do you want an interview?
0: wow
1: it's a city ran zoo so it takes a long time for things to process through the city and I said yeah I want an interview um did the interview three months later they say hey um yeah we want you for the job but you need to do um a physical and drug test and I was like sweet I guess I should tell my boss (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah here I am now
0: Amazing. So you you packed up your life and moved to Hawaii.
1: I did. I sold pretty much all of my stuff. I brought my cat, some important stuff, and I I came here in two suitcases.
0: Wow. I tore with more than two suitcases. That's (laughs) good good on you. That's incredible.
1: I mean, my one suitcase weighed 100 pounds, and then the (laughs) other one did not. I think the other one weighed like 25 pounds, but Yeah, I came here for like 125 pounds of stuff. That was it.
0: Wow. And a cat and
1: and an eight pound cat.
0: (laughs) All right. So I am curious what it is like being on a zoo or being at a zoo on an
1: island. On a in an island? Yeah, all
0: all the words, all the words. Um, No, but seriously, like, how does that affect the day to day at the zoo?
1: So, you know, it's always hot. It's always, almost always sunny. Um, you're guaranteed that it either rained last night or it's going to rain today. Um, but that's like some of the biggest things. I mean, we don't have to worry about, is it going to get too cold for our animals? Like it's not, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's not, I mean, very rarely will it get cold and we're like, okay, put some heat lamps up. Like that's about it. Like there's no worry about cold or anything like that. Our biggest worry is the very, very, you know, a tsunami or a hurricane; those are your biggest worries here, not cold or things like that. And that you know, we have year-round tourists. There's not like you know, winter season we die down. Winter season we are closed because there's nobody to come in. You know, there's not that we're open. Same, you know, every single day. There's always going to be people here. Yeah, it calms down um, during the weekdays because we do have a lot of people from like California that come in for the weekends and things like that. Um, But yeah, there's always, there's always people. There's always stuff. There's always something. Um, And that it's, you know, it's always, I mean, it's always hot. (laughs) So another one of the issues or differences between working on the mainland or in an island, specifically Hawaii, is that snakes are illegal in Hawaii. Wait, what? Yes. So it's illegal to have a pet snake. Um, okay,
0: I of... am mad about that because my <laughs> pet snake is incredible. But why? Why is that?
1: Uh, because they we have a lot of endemic birds that are very, very endangered, and snakes like eggs. And so, to save um, Hawaii from being a Guam situation,
0: it's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting So, during World War II, Japan took control of Guam, and in 1944, the United States military decided to liberate Guam by sending over troops and transports from nearby Papua New Guinea. Unfortunately, it appears that some brown tree snakes happened to uh, decide to hop on those boats as well. The birds... Rodents and other prey species on Guam were not at all equipped to deal with these snakes, as there are no native snakes on Guam. As such, the snakes were at a smorgasbord, and they just went to town. By the mid-1980s, 10 of the 12 bird species native to Guam had vanished, along with many, many of the rodents and, again, other prey species. As if that's not enough, the species that were disappearing are the ones most responsible for spreading the tree seeds. As such, it is estimated that anywhere from 60 to 92% of all new tree growth has been stopped because of these snakes hitting the island. It's a real problem, y'all. It is actually estimated that you can find as many as 5,000 of these snakes in one square kilometer on Guam. So obviously it makes sense that Hawaii wants to avoid these issues. All right, back to the interview.
1: They made snakes illegal. So something the government does do is that you can you can relinquish a snake if you caught it, if you found it, um, to the zoo or the government for no punishment if you... <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Animals visit Animal Podcast. Hello, Kitty.
1: <laughs> um, she gets jealous if I'm talking to somebody.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but you can relinquish that the snake for no penalty. Um, which has gotten the zoo two snakes. So as the zoo, um not my department, but uh you can we can have legally two snakes. Um, So we have, I know one is a Burmese python named George.
0: (laughs) It's a good good name for a Burmese python.
1: And he's cute. Um, So that does kind of, you know, most reptile departments. You've got snakes, lots of snakes, but we have, you know, we have two. Um, And I think there's some other places on islands that can house snakes um, for educational purposes, but it's a very small, you can only have one or two.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. I did not know that at all. That's that's really interesting. So what do you all do to fill up your herp house?
1: So we have a lot of um, skinks and bearded dragons, and um, we call it more of an ectotherm complex. So it's not just snakes. Uh, We do have something super cool. We have Japanese giant
0: salamanders. Oh, nice. That's cool.
1: Yeah, so I don't know too terribly much about the stuff that we do have in reptile. It's more of when I am perusing through on my days off <laughs> that I sure, see what sure. We have. Uh, but um, yeah, and then we have local. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the cats hissing in the background. Yes, 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 it was lovely. <laughs> um, uh, but we have uh. We have certain things like our Burmese python. He does have a sign that says, hey, snakes are illegal in Hawaii. Um, these are the reasons why. So there is that educational point that we get to have with the having the snake.
0: That's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. That makes me sad. But I mean, that's really a cool way to do it, though. And I'm glad that the zoo is able to have at least a couple. That's cool. Yeah.
1: So we also have, like, I mean, there's other animals as well that people don't realize. Like ferrets are not um, legally allowed in Hawaii either. Um, and that's cause, I mean, we have a huge monkey problem, so we don't want a ferret problem too.
0: <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, I believe either we still do, or at one point they had a couple ferrets that were, uh, released because, you know, people still smuggle in animals and, uh, things like that. Um, another thing is that we have a lot longer quarantine period for animals. Why is that? Uh, One of the big things is because we are one of the few states and only, I think the only state that is rabies free. Seriously? Yeah.
0: That's kind of cool.
1: So we have no cases of rabies. So there's like, even bringing your pets in, there's an extremely long process um, to bringing pets in. But that also means, you know, we get an animal in and we have a longer time before we can announce it and be like, hey, look, we got this cool animal in. Um, So I think. Um, I can say it now because I posted it, but we just got mere cats in, but they're in like a three month quarantine period. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a long time for anything. And because we're a quarantine facility, we have to stay, you know, they're in for a little bit longer and we have lots more policies on that. But even like bringing your pet here, like bringing my cats here. It's a long process. You have to get them rabies tested. You have to have two proofs of rabies shots. You have to have all these specifications because they don't want rabies coming into the island.
0: Yeah, I mean, makes sense.
1: Yeah, so there's fascinating. Yeah, so like we don't have you know we don't have raccoons and the zoo can't have raccoons. The zoo can't have um one disappointing thing. The zoo can't have wolves because wolves are known to be carriers. So anything that could carry rabies cannot be in the islands.
0: Yeah, I guess I get that from a scientific standpoint, but also, like, have they considered how cute raccoons are with their little hands? And I mean, <laughs> come on, rabies might be worth it here, folks. I'm just...
1: <laughs> right? The little cute, like, washing things. Seriously,
0: I love raccoons so much. But no, but I can understand that. That's really... What a fascinating um, difference between all of the mainland zoos.
1: Yeah, so... Um, that means, unfortunately, because we are a quarantine facility, because we quarantine animals when they get here, that means our animals can't leave property at all. So education has to like come to us. So if you want, you know, a lot of zoos have that outreach program. They ha- can take those education animals outside of the zoo. We can't do that due to the quarantine laws in the state of Hawaii.
0: Interesting. So that, yeah, but, you, but they'll, they'll still come to you in non-COVID times, right?
1: So non COVID times, there's still some education stuff that can happen, and they do. uh, It's totally a different department, of course, but um, they do do like a zoo to you. But they do think different things, like bringing skeletons or bringing all other sort of things like that, like furs and stuff like that, to other to schools.
0: Cool. So with. With rabies not being on the island at all, I'm I'm curious. Do keepers have to have rabie uh, rabies vaccines, which are standard at most zoos?
1: Uh, no, because we don't have any rabies animals. We don't actually have to be rabies vaccinated, so there's a plus for that, I guess. <laughs> but we do get um,
0: fascinating.
1: Yeah, but we do have to do our TB tests every single year, so there's that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. Does it affect things like getting in? Um, food for the animals and all of that kind of stuff.
1: That is above my pay grade, but but, uh, I know that we get it. um, They get it through like many zoos. They get it through like a second, a third person, a third person party. Uh, We get it through a feed supply store. So they just say, this is what I want. They send it to the feed supply store, the feed supply store orders it or already has it in stock and gives it to them. Cause I mean, we do have farms here. So the feed supply stores do get some other things. Um But yeah, we get our, I know we get our hay from California, so we're not always ga- guaranteed, you know, nice, good, fresh hay is older hay. But I mean, some of the great things is we have so many browse plants that we can grow on island that you can't grow in New York or California or Virginia. So our, giraffes our bongos our elephants get food from their environment because we can grow it which is something that a lot of zoos can't do or they can do but it's not as you know often like we have plants that are common to giraffes that just grow throughout the island
0: that's incredible yeah that's incredible yeah very cool very cool um, I'm looking at a, a map of the zoo now because Hawaii is one of two states that I have not made it to yet um Hawaii and Alaska and um, it looks beautiful it really does, yeah, so
1: it's like it's a medium sized zoo it's not large but it's not small. It's big enough that we have a commissary keeper that does their commissary stuff, so we're big enough that we don't make our own diets but not i mean um, I take care of a lot of i' my section takes care of i think the most or second most in mammal department. So it's still, we still take a lot of care of a lot of animals per person.
0: Yeah, no, makes sense. It's, uh, it looks like a really cool collection. Um, and so let's, let's get to the heart of it. Tell me about your cheetahs.
1: Oh, I love them so much. Um, our cheetahs, we have three girls, um, Fox, McGinney and Pickett, which any Harry Potter nerd out there will know <laughs> those names right away.
0: Of course. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited about that.
1: Um, and they were born at the Smithsonian Park, not the zoo, but their Front Royal facility. Yes,
0: which is an amazing facility. The yes. stuff they do there is incredible.
1: Um, I actually did, side tangent, um, when I was in high school, I did summer camps at the Front Royal Safari Park as a zoo camp. So
0: <laughs> very cool, yeah. And for those listening, um, I don't know that this is the most commonly known thing, but um, the Smithsonian has the National Zoo, uh, which is in downtown DC, and then they also have this area in, in uh, Front Royal, and it is um the conservation. I think it's called the Smithsonian Biology Conservation Center, something like that, I think and. So. They do um they open it one day a year to the public although you still don't get to see most of it. Um but and they do some really cool breeding stuff there. They do a ton of red panda breeding there. They do a ton of cheetah breeding there. Um I would say it's pretty much the most likely place that Sam and I would break into together as a duo <laughs> to uh yeah, like if we end up in jail together, that's what we were doing. Uh,
1: <laughs> They also breed the, um, I can never say the name of the Russian horse.
0: Oh, uh, Shavalsky horses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they, they also release. known as P horses. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. breed those there too. And I did summer camp there. So I got to see all of that because um, it's a old, a very, very old horse breeding and training for the military. So yes. there's old barracks and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. cool. Yeah, it's so cool there. I've I've only been there once. I'm hoping to eventually get an interview there because I mainly I just want to hang out there again. Yeah. <laughs> um but and then as I was leaving there, um the one time I was there, I uh, I saw a black bear run across four lanes of traffic and jump over a barrier and go into the woods. And I was like, "Ooh, bonus animal." <laughs> yeah, cuz it's
1: it's in the middle of nowhere. Like you yeah. never it's no, it's nowhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is that is an apt description. But anyway, your cheetahs
1: yeah, they, so, they were
0: bred there, but tell me more about them now.
1: Yeah, they're bred there so they have um limited people experience. They're not used to the public when we got them um, cuz they didn't have public where they came from. Um, and they had um they don't have a lot of zookeepers there. So they didn't get a lot of interaction from keepers. They did get some. There's I'm not trashing the, the zoo. There. <laughs> no, no, it's of a course. great it's a great place, but they just don't have that kind of relationship with the cheetahs. So they came to us very, very grumpy, very, very hissy, and so much attitude. Um, but like at the same time, they really wanted you to feed them. Like they come up to you, they hiss and swat at you, and then they're like, Oh, food. Okay, I'll I'll quiet down and I will sit respectfully. Um, please feed me. <laughs> so they're great, but they're all three of them are completely different personalities, but they came from the same litter.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: It's crazy, and it's crazy how different. So, um, I always say them in like the same order. So, Pickett, she was the smallest uh, cheetah. Uh, She's gained a little bit of weight, uh, but we're working on it. (laughs) Um, And she is so quiet and reserved. She's very um, a lot more shy than the other girls. She. Is more. I would say either she's more skeptical or she's smarter when it comes to training. Like she's either anticipating that we're doing this for a reason and something bad might happen, or she's just very nervous. It's kind, you know you can't tell, but she definitely like we've we've been working really hard to get them in, um, injection trained. Um, and she's been the slowest. She got her. We just did it. Yay! Nice. Um, congrats. Six months after when they were due. <laughs> But you know we got it done and she she took it very well um, but she was definitely the more hesitant about it she didn't really want to lay down she didn't really like she it took very much baby steps of getting her into it um, but she's also like she's very quiet she doesn't talk a lot she doesn't hiss as much she's very keep to herself reserved she's also um, out of the three sisters, the one that's more likely to hang out by herself and kind of keep to herself a little bit more, and then Nagini, the middle child, um, sp- full spunk and attitude. That's all she has. She has no nice bones about her. She's always hissing at you. She's always spitting at you. She's always she's always got something to say to you. And but she's pretty good at training. Once you start training her, it clicks. She's quiet. She's ready. She's pretty focused um she's still not as bad as slow not bad i guess but as slow as picket it is when learning things um she does pick it up a little bit faster and she's not as hesitant um about it um, but that she's just full of sass and attitude like i can walk by and she's jumping and hissing at me she's like <laughs> but fox she is so she's the biggest cheetah out of all of them like so she's so big and not fat but like she's just taller she's longer she's a little bit heavier she's bigger bone her shoulders are wider she gets training like that and she's super food motivated she she talks a lot like you'll be training her and while she's very patient so you can like literally lean over or look over to the vet staff and talk to them for a second if you are not training her she gets real sass and attitude with you she'll start meowing or maybe not meowing but like grumbling and making like it sounds like she's like hello excuse me we're doing something here please focus like quit talking to her i want my food let's get this over and she's the only one that when you're done with training she just sits there and stares at you like we're done are, they, are you sure she won't she doesn't want to leave she's so interested in doing it and she's so quick to learn it um but she's, like, it's just – it's so different between all of them. And she's so – and she gets – but she gets – because she's so motivated and she's so down to do training, she gets frustrated easier. Because um, she's, like, but I'm doing it. Like, give me the food. I'm doing it. And it's, like, no, we want you to, like, do it just a little bit differently. We're, like, trying to, like, you know, instead of moving backwards for your injection, we want you to move sideways. And she's like, but I'm doing it. And she's like, we'll get frustrated and she'll walk away. But she immediately comes back and it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Let's try this again. I want the food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very, very cool. That's uh, that's really sweet. And one of the things that um, I, I find so interesting is bongos, another animal that you take care of, have like real personalities and are really interesting animals. And before I started this podcast, if you had told me that, I would have called you a liar. Would have probably been nicer (laughs) about it than that. But, uh, you know, basically. Um, So tell me about your bongos.
1: So I have three bongos, a male a female, and two females. So mom and dad. And we have a baby. Not a baby anymore. She's still a baby. She's um, a year and a half, almost two years old, maybe two years old now. So um, they... Uh, came from a not so reputable place. She, they came from um, mom and dad. Came from one of those Texas ranches that have you know every single type of animal possible on them. Um, so we didn't have much. We didn't know much about them, and we got them. So they're Corey Topanga and Riley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boy meets world. I love it. Yes. Yes. It's so great.
1: Um. And Corey, obviously, Dad Topanga, Mom Riley, baby. Um, Topanga is a little bit more shy.er She uh, is smart, but she's, a, she's doesn't really want to be touched. She's a little bit more hesitant. like she will do it, but she's not a huge fan of it. She's like, "Don't pet me. I'll pet me if like food isn't available and we're doing something to work to it." And then Corey is so smart. He's so incredibly smart and it, it's pretty shocking because some people I've heard from people that bongos are dumb and I'm like, I don't know, this bongo is incredibly smart. Like you can tell him something, no verbal commands, no reward, and he does it. And he focuses so hard that you can like, you could do anything to this bongo if you really wanted to. Um, he is a male. He's an intact male. So he does get sassy attitudes sometimes, especially <laughs> during breeding season. Um, but he like the level of focus and interest he has in training is incredible. Like if you are in the section and you're not training him, but you're talking to somebody, he gets upset. He starts flipping over water bowls. He'll start (laughs) trying to break down the barn. Like he's like, hello, let's do it. And immediately he comes out, he lines up, even if you're not doing anything that day, he comes out, lines up and he stares at you like, let's go. And he's so smart that he like, he can tell his front hoof, front right from his front left hoof wow um and according urban legend according to our vet staff um that they once were probably eight feet nine feet away from him and asked him to do a front right and he would bring it up and then that's amazing bring it up wow yeah he's in he's incredibly smart and then there's miss riley who has she was um at a young age, the zookeeper, zoo, two zookeepers before me when she was born, they were incredibly hands on with her. So she is very, very comfortable with people. She'll do anything you want. So mood, food motivated. Um, and the sweetest thing ever. She will lick you to death because she wants all the salt off of your skin. <laughs> um, she is pushy and nosy and wants to know what you're doing. Can I do it? What is dad eating? What is mom eating? What's going on? Please pet me. Um scratch me, please. Um like we used to before would literally lift her onto the scale. And so she's so comfortable with people that like we didn't even really work on injection training because there was like she's already like doesn't care what you do to her. But at the same time, her she's not the smartest thing in the entire planet, because <laughs> she'll eat pretty much anything. And by anything, it's a mixed species exhibit, um, and crane chow is her favorite. Oh, no! <laughs> so, um, yeah, the cranes get fed, and then when Riley comes, you take the food away, and you're like, sorry, cranes." when she goes away, we'll feed you again. <laughs> um, but she's so... She's so sweet. She's got her brains from her dad, but her looks from her mom. (laughs) But her and her dad just love scratches, like, between the horns, right behind the horns. And, like, you'll start petting, especially Corey. You'll start scratching him, and his head will just, like, drop slowly. He's just like, yes, please. You're getting the spot. Yeah, That's they're so great.
0: Cool. That's are another they...
1: animal that I just had no—I didn't think I would ever be interested in. And then, like, I started working with them. I was like, okay, they're—they're they're, they're pretty cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, are they free or protected contact?
1: Um, they—it it used to be free contact. Um, then Corey got a little sassy with some keepers, um, and then it was protected contact for him, but free contact for the girls. Um, and then the girls started getting sassy, so it is protected contact. Um, but if we work with them enough, there could be potential.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. And I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and you can, I'm amazed at how hands-on, I mean, rhinos are protected contact, Yeah. but I, I have petted rhinos you know with my whole arms on them and with their horns sticking out and rubbing their their heads and their 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 horns and scratching their sides and like protected contact doesn't mean that you can't have yeah. an incredible physical relationship with the animal um i think sometimes people forget that you know yeah and, yeah
1: for sure like we um even with a protected contact we have like this um wooded wood wall but we have slots built out of it that we can open and close as needed. And there's literally like three or four slots at the floor that you're pretty much can slide your whole body in and touch their hooves and there's no problem. And, um, they're just, you know, they're really, really great. Um, and you can still get all the scratches you want through that wooden board, but they are, you know, they are wild animals, even though they're born in captivity, they're still wild animals. They're still unpredictable. You don't, really know and especially with like hoofstock they get scared so easily of like the most randomest things ever like it could be like a plane flying over that plane flies over every single day but like today it was scary and right, you know. right <laughs> so it's it's definitely um a safer safer way to do it
0: so um i noticed something you you okay so if everyone listening again um Look, I'm not saying that Samantha is a nerd, but I am saying that when I I asked her what animals she's worked with, she sent me a complete <laughs> listing, alphabetical <laughs> listing of every animal she's worked with. Um, so you be you be the judge. Um, and and it's a lot of them, which you know is awesome. Something really stood out to me though, uh, which is that you have listed on here both green. And Hawksbill Sea Turtles. Yes. How, where, when? Tell me all the things.
1: (laughs) So, you know, I totally forgot to add that on my history of my life. (laughs) Um, When I was in um, college, I was thinking about, you know, I I probably should get started like working or doing something towards my goal. Um, And... I wanted to do, you know, I have nothing to do over summers. I could get a job, but who wants to get a job over <laughs> summer? Um, so I actually found this program um, that I don't think is currently running, partially due to the coronavirus, but I know they're revamping their programs um, called International Student Volunteers, um, where I spent the summer in Costa Rica working with sea turtles. Not the whole summer. I spent like a month. Um, but yeah, so we would, I, it was in, um, The program worked with this other program that is still going on called OSA and Water. It's down in a small little area close to Puerto Jimenez, Costa Rica, which probably means nothing to nobody. It's close to the Panama Canal. It's at the bottom of Costa Rica, um, where they work with the um, university there. And they... um, Take sea turtles, collect blood samples, tissue samples, and tag them, or check tags to see where they're kind of going, where they're coming from, and then um, if there's any um, parasites, they will put them in a freshwater tank and help clean off those parasites with them. So yeah, I did that, which was my first my first ever exotic animal experience. Um,
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So we got. Um, I say a month we were there for a month you do half the time on project half the time touring Costa Rica cuz they're like we're not going to send you here and then be like <laughs> yeah you're only working you don't get to see anything um so oh excuse me um <laughs> they but that the first so our first week there we did on our free day we did like a chocolate tour um went to town, went to the shops on our second free day. I said, I that free day was cool and all, but there's nothing else to do. I don't want to go to the, st- I don't want to go to the internet cafe. I don't care about the internet. I don't want to go. I, there's nothing for me there. So I actually stayed an extra day. I did an extra day of work um, where I helped the staff remove I me and one other person were the only one that helped this Hawksbill sea turtle take off barnacles, um, wow. from them, which um, instilled my f- absolute biggest fear of uh, parasites. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. removing parasites from a hawksbill sea turtle was like i don't parasites are gross
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no i can i I can i can respect that i can see that that makes sense um that's awesome i just i love sea turtles so much i mean oh so good yeah
1: i will admit when i first got that because when i did it they had options like you listed all of these countries and the programs you were interested in order. So like one was Africa working with cheetahs. And I was like, Oh, p- hot, number one right there. And then the rest were all aquatic animals. And I'm like, eh, I'm not huge into aquatic animals There's like dolphins. And there was like, you know, so it was like Costa Rica, um, Africa, Thailand, but Thailand, you could only go to, cause it was with elephants. You could only go to if you had already done a program before. And then, Dominican Republic and somewhere else, um, but it's all aquatic animals. They do do other things, like they have two options of animal experience and then two options of like people experience. So you could help build a school or you could help do this. Um, so it wasn't just tailored. Um, and Costa Rica was like second or third. And when I got the news that they were like, "Oh, you're going to Costa Rica," and I was like. The cheetahs. That's all the only reason why I applied for this. Um, I thought about backing out, but I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad that, like, you know, I was a freshman in college, finished my freshman year of college, going into my sophomore year of college. I'm still a snotty brat. Like, I want what I want. <laughs> and I didn't get it. And I was like, well, this is, this is worthless to me. But it was such a killer experience. And That's I'm awesome. I'm so glad that I, you know, followed through
0: with that. I'm so glad to hear that. That's so awesome. And I can just picture when you got that email and you were sad, and you ran home to your parents crying because you didn't get it, and then they adopted you a cheetah for uh, Christmas again that year. Some things in life never change, right? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, um, now I have sea turtle tattoo. Oh,
0: uh, nice, nice. So,
1: you know, I, it it was my first look at conservation. It was my first experience working with exotic animals, so it, you know, it was a game changer. It reminded me that I still don't really want to work with aquatic animals, but now, living in Hawaii, I see a a green sea turtle because they're common here. and I'm like oh, turtle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. All right, and uh, now it is time for the Rasafari poop story. Hit me.
1: So you know, I've been thinking about this, and I'm like, I don't think I really have a poop story at all. I've been like asking Coopers as I know, and I'm like, do I have a poop story? <laughs> you guys know if I have a poop story? And they're like, um, no. And I was like, I mean, I have some gross stories. But no poop story. So if you're down for some gross stories. As
0: as you've heard, because I know you've listened, they're not all actually poop. They just started that way. And it's easier to say the (laughs) Rasafari poop story because that sounds more uh, dramatic than the Rasafari tell me something gross. (laughs)
1: So, I mean, you talked to Robin about the red wolves. So I took care of some of them. um, And one of my best days at work, uh, sarcasm implied, (laughs) was coming in to... A inside out opossum. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it was a day that like everybody caught a opossum that day. Everybody <laughs> in the zoo, like every except for Bali, every animal <laughs> caught a opossum that day. But the red wolves had turned theirs inside out. <laughs> so that was definitely an interesting experience by far. Picking that up and being like, "Is that?" Is that a (laughs) possum? Okay, it's inside out. Um, And then there's just things like at CCF, um, something that like we, your lunch was from 12 to one. That was it. That was when lunch was served. If you didn't make it between that time, sorry about it, you don't get lunch. But there's being the only intern there. There's times that I pushed it. And there's one day that we were, finished with everything i mean i still had blood on my hands and it was one it was like twelve fifty. we literally ran down there they're closing up and i have blood on my hands i'm like scooping food on my plate uh. with <laughs> blood on my hands from the meat from the cheetahs and i'm like must get food or i'm not like and we're sitting there we're like you know all of our food on the plate and we're like we should wash our hands <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like not, it's like, because it was one of the days where usually the animals butchered and put in the fridge. It was one of the days where the animal was just butchered. So it was like warm blood all over my hands. And I'm sitting there like, do I eat because I'm hungry or do I wash my hands? <laughs> <laughs> because it's should, I should wash my hands.
0: Oh, so, amazing.
1: And then you, you know, I mean, ever since then, um I've always had this thing where it's like, it could be worse. You know, I'm eating lunch and I sit there. And I'm like, should I wash my hands? I'm like, eh, it's not blood. <laughs> it's not warm horse blood. It's just hands. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing worse than that.
0: Oh, amazing. Okay, so you're going to hate me for this, but uh, Aloha. <laughs> aloha. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't help myself. It had to be done. It just had to be done. All right, y'all. Well, if you enjoyed hearing from Sam, and I can't imagine you didn't, then you're going to want to check her out on Instagram at zookeeper underscore Samantha. And of course, at the Honolulu Zoo is where you can go to uh, find them on Instagram. Or if you want to check them out on the web, go to honoluluzoo.org. And hey, did you know the word credits in Hawaiian is aie Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari. on the web at rasafari.com, or email me directly at RossafariPod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.